On a special edition of The Zone of Truth, Griff and I welcome members of Southern Tomfoolery Plays to talk Starfinder, their run of Against the Aeon Throne, and more. We dive into the benefits and challenges of long-distance gaming, hold a special Starfinder-themed My Favorite Monster, and answer a new round of listener questions. I'm your host, Steve, in studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in the Zone of Truth. And we're back. Yes, we are. This is this might be the earliest zone of truth we've done. These early morning records are killing Dude, me. Dude, it's like drinking all night and then curtain call at one PM. That's yep. that's way too early. We recorded this we're recording on a Sunday. It's one thirty in the afternoon. Maybe the earliest we've ever recorded. Yesterday, you guys, you guys are killing me. I, I had to be here recording yesterday at two in the afternoon. It was absurd. Yeah, you barely made it. <laughs> I barely made it. I was very impressed with myself. No, I actually I actually had to be there at one, and I woke up at noon and had to get like had to get something to eat, had to go pick up beer and get here and work off a hangover in like thirty minutes, and I did it. It was impressive. Don't get me wrong. But then Brooks and Emily were super late, so it didn't even matter. Yeah, it didn't matter. <laughs> Hardly ever does. Griff, what are you drinking today, man? I well, we had our. Drunken Discordly last night, mm-hmm. and as I said, this is an early recording, so I'm not going to promise that I won't drink alcohol today, because we do have a game later, but I'm drinking water right now. Yeah, I'm drinking water too. I mean, to be fair though, we probably still have a relatively high BAC from last night. Yeah, I have a pretty high uh, BTC, Blood Taco Bell content. Oh God. <laughs> so uh, for those of you just tuning in, we had our Drunken Discordly, then immediately... Uh, Brooks and Emily had to go to a party and Haley Griffin and myself decided to, uh, you know, watch a good heartwarming movie. Uh, so, oh, God. So at one in the morning drunk, we watched Hereditary um, and got Taco Bell. And uh, all in went, all, pretty good night. Yeah, it was a great night. Pretty good night. Um, but, you know, here we are now, Griff, and it's time to get this episode started. What do you say? Dude, please, because we have some really dope guests this time. Yeah, this is a this is a very little special zone of truth. We've never done something like this before and are super excited. So today we have two folks joining us, and these two have recently co- become very near and dear to us all at the Hideous Laughter Podcast. They are waging an all-out war against the Aslanti Star Empire every Sunday on all your favorite podcast apps and our active members on the HLP's own Discord server. Guys, ladies and gentle beings, you know them, you love them. Welcome, Emily and Adam from Southern Tomfoolery Plays Against the Aeon Throne. What's up, guys? Hi. Hi. How you guys doing today? I'm Uh, I'm equally as hungover as the two of you, I think. (laughs) Why is that, Adam? What'd you get into? Uh, well, I went to uh, NOLA on Tap, which is a New Orleans like beer festival that, um, I, you know, it supports pets and animals. I I didn't go for that, but I'm glad my money went to a good cause. Hey, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's like all the breweries in New Orleans and a bunch of home brewers get together and they just, you just sample tons and tons of beers and they pour it in these tricky little three ounce 
portions. So you drink like 30 of them before you realize what happened. We're actually about to head to a beer fest next weekend back in my hometown outside of Philly. And I know exactly what you're talking about with those portions. <laughs> they, they do the exact they same thing. They sneak up on you yeah. so fucking cl- quick. You're like, yeah, yeah I've only like, had like 30 of these little baby things. How many beers is that? <laughs> but, then, but then you think about it too. I mean, if you're going to a beer fest, a lot of what you're drinking is going to be like probably 6% and above. Yeah, if you're me yeah. at one of those things, I'm like, okay, every tent with a stout. And then I'm like, well, I drank... 30 of these little thimble <laughs> things, but it was all 14%. So yeah, you're usually I supposed mean, to spit the wine out. <laughs> we were like getting there, you know, we were f- getting to the point where like, if we're going to make our walk home, we need to go ahead and get three more of these samples <laughs> and, and start the walk. And of course the last sample we got was this dogfish head, uh, worldwide stout, which is like oh, I love 17%. Oh, you know, so we basically got a shot each on our way out. Um, but you know, the walk home, I guess, was good for us. It rained a little bit, so (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Oh man, so I I assume you have a beverage today, right? Uh, I do, it's not water, although it probably should be, but uh, I'm drinking some maple flavored crown. Oh wow! Oh damn, son, that's how to get a Sunday started. All right, yeah, it's a little little brunchy booze. (laughs) <laughs> oh boy. So Griff just picked up one of uh the active bottles of liquor that are always just sitting on the table here. We like to keep a couple on hand. Uh <laughs> cheers, buddy. I'm not gonna let you drink alone. Cheers. Preach. Oh yeah, that's a that's a Bernie Bev. <laughs> Emily, what about you? What are you drinking? Uh I'm a sane person because after this I have uh, and a family engagement and then two other games that I'll be playing. So I'm having some coffee. Some coffee, yeah. Get that caffeine in you. Emily, that's it's a lovely. long day ahead of you. It is. It's been a long, like, couple, few days. We had, like, a huge event situation at uh, the museum where I work. It's, like, a four-day event. And yesterday was the last day, and we saw around, like, 4,000 people. Some kind of is that the is that of, the pickle festival that you guys no. pickle festival? <laughs> That's a different one. This is a science festival that we did. So got to hang out with a bunch of nerds. So I loved it. I just have to say that uh, you working at a museum sounds so cool. That's one of those jobs that I always think about. I'm yeah. like, that would be so dope to do to work at a museum. I've been fortunate is enough to work at two different sounds? ones, and it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Do, do the exhibits come alive at night? <laughs> I've been led to believe no. that's the case. Uh, those aren't exhibits, Steve. Those are just strange men that sleep in <laughs> yeah. the museum. They're cool. His name's Paul. He's cool. We just, you know, we just ignore him and he ignores us. It's cool. All right, folks. Well, <laughs> let's let, let's get to work here. So what I'm going to do is throw on some Sirenscape. And I thought it'd be appropriate since you guys are um, a Starfinder actual play podcast to throw on a little bit of... Um, a, a soundscape called Shipboard, and I'm going to select the the sound set, Cruising in Open Space. We're flying through the stars, guys. It's going nice. to be good times. Nice. So first and foremost, I know we got, we Griff and I know you guys pretty well, I, I, I'm, I, I'm thinking, um, but a lot of our listening audience may not be familiar with you guys. So can you guys give me a little bit of a rundown of what STF is, what you guys do. Just give me the 411 here. Yeah. Um, so 
Yeah, as you mentioned, we are an actual play uh, playing Starfinder, and we are doing the Against the Aeon Throne Adventure Path currently. Um, and what we what we're trying to do, I guess, is bring a little Southern charm to the actual play space. And we love science fiction, so Starfinder was a natural fit for us. Um, one of the main things is that we want to show that the South has a lot of creativity to offer, you know, um, and show a different side of the South than is typically represented in, in media. Um, there, there's a lot of good culture, a lot of good food and a lot of intelligent and creative people down here. So kind of wanted to have an opportunity to share some of that while having a lot of fun playing, doing one of our favorite hobbies, which is playing tabletop role playing. Um, and yeah, we're just loving Starfinder. Miss anything there, Emily? No, that's pretty pretty much nail on the head. Um, yeah, I'll just say like my uh, that's exactly it. But I'm just so happy about the community that we're in now. Like, I didn't the know that it was going to be amazing. It yes. really is. So really that's is. Uh, made everything so much better. I think that's what that's what really gets us going. Like that's what propelled us past a year. And I think that's, um, you know, you can see it with you guys engaging with your community as well. And we, you know, I love that we have a lot of overlap in our two communities, but you could just see the, the amount of fun that happens when you get a group of people that are really interested in something you're doing. That's definitely propelled us forward. It's very validating, you know, having people respond to your creative endeavors in a positive way. Like, of course we get some negative feedback, but it is, so mostly the much. slurp. It's mostly the slurp. Um, <laughs> but it is so much outweighed by just like good, positive people. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've been in the creative space for nearly 20 years now because I play music also. And uh, it it's funny because, you know, so I've spent so much time playing music and there is like lots of good connection with people when you're doing that. When you play live in front of people and you connect to the audience i mean that's like one of the best feelings in the world but doing the podcast thing has been great because there's been a much more like long lasting relationships built with the people that that listen and join in the community because i think there's a little bit more engagement available through that type of interaction you know for sure i think it's great that i mean Yes, the community is amazing, but even if the community was half or a quarter of the size that it is, uh, it's really cool that with this medium and this form of storytelling, we all are going to be able to listen to this in the future, like our entire campaign. And just mm -hmm. like you have, you have the perfect record of the entire campaign that you have played. And you could, I mean, that's something like you can, you can, you know. When you have kids or something, you can let them listen to it, yeah, Steve. the HLP no. is going to become my eventual children's uh, bedtime stories. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Story of a two-bay. Super <laughs> yes. healthy. It's going to be great, I'm sure. It's going to be good. They're going to be well-rounded individuals. I mean, I want... Daddy, tell me another story about that very unfortunate gravedigger. Daddy, do the two-bay voice. Daddy, why are you making all those strange sounds on the, on the microphone? <laughs> Daddy, stop crying. <laughs> Daddy, what does this right, word uh, mean? <laughs> so I want to I I come back to something that uh, Adam very subtly mentioned earlier. Um, 
Apparently, you guys are Southern. Apparently. Allegedly. <laughs> I've been yeah. led to believe that you guys are Southern. Where are you guys based out of? Hmm. Well, I'm in Jackson, Mississippi. And Adam is in New Orleans. And I'm trying to think how to... Two out of Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And then another Josh. Yep, Heath and Zach are in Hattiesburg. Yeah, and Josh is actually up here in Jackson with me as well. You guys so, are all over the map down there. We are. We are. Um, I mean, so Jackson, Hattiesburg, and New Orleans kind of makes the triangle. Um, most of us all met in Hattiesburg. We all lived in Hattiesburg during college. And that's that's how I met Zach, Heath, John, and Josh. And then Josh moved to Jackson, and that's where he met Emily. Um, we brought Emily into our gaming group, what? A year and a half, two years ago. Yeah, I think so. Like I feel like and, October's uh, coming on she, two years, man. Obviously, she's obviously she was like fit a, a solid fit, like a glove. Um, she plays in every game that I run now. She's like always has a seat Jeez. at my table. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we're from we're we're from all over the South. I mean, Mississippi and Louisiana, I guess. But uh, yeah. Yeah. And and so you you said you uh, you guys all kind of got together in college, living in Hatfield, um, Hattiesburg. Hattiesburg. Dumbass. Fuck God, it, it's it's an early morning, Griff. Um, <laughs> he'll get he'll butcher everything you you tell him. He's a great radio host. Yeah, You're and just I'm just going to forget this as soon as we're done. So. To make sure we're paying attention, right? Um, You're making sure we remember where yeah, we're from. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah he's uh. <laughs> so you guys all met together in Hat Town, and. Uh, <laughs> but and and you say you guys are running a few different games right now, so. I, I know from listening to the show that your on-air um, recording of your Starfinder game is the first time you've ever played Starfinder. What else do you guys play or have played? Um, well, we started with 5e. Um, that's like kind of what got us into the whole thing. It was so strange because we were all like very geeky and nerdy. That's how we connected as friends, you know. Um, I met most of the guys... Uh, as they came to see my band play a while ago, and we would get to talking afterwards and be like, oh, you read Game of Thrones? Yeah, I read Game of Thrones. And we'd talk all night about our theories about Game of Thrones that, well, let's just not talk about the ending of Game of Thrones. But um, <laughs> We don't, we don't yeah, talk about that. Episode. <laughs> That's another episode. Yeah, yeah. or, um, you know, The Dark Tower or whatever. And we played Magic the Gathering and all this stuff together, and we had never played tabletop. And we watched... Um, Harmontown, and I think that Harman was Quest. like the final. I'm sorry, Harmon Quest. Yes, Harman actually, Harmon Quest first appeared on the Harmontown podcast. So right. technically, Thank you. oh snap! I thought it was Hat. Uh, I thought it was Hat Quest. Uh, <laughs> Hat uh, uh, that like gave us the the jump we needed to give it a shot, and so we started with Five E. Five E makes it really easy to get into the game, um, and I think we were fortunate enough to pick a couple of the best modules that they had. And so we have really fond experiences with 5e, but then we kind of got done with their top modules and wanted something more, something a little bit more meaty that we could sink our teeth into. And we were looking for a complete scenery change. And so when Starfinder came out, so many of us are really big science fiction um, nerds. So it was just, yeah, that's what we're going to do. And then we've recently started messing around with 2E as we're playing um, 
the fall of plague stone just oh, to nice. learn the, the system and all that too. So, yeah. Well, we do yeah, still a couple. Yeah. Uh, a couple of us do still uh, mess around a bit in 5e. Adam and I are both running separate uh, Curse of Strahd games, but they are live games. So that's one cool thing that we have kind of going on. It's a bit different. That's awesome. You guys are actually some of the first, I feel like, that we've gotten to talk to that uh, that do both. You know, you have your remote game and you have your live games. We, we've we never played a remote game as, aside from, like, little one-shots and that kind of thing. Uh, I, I, I will say we haven't, but Brooks, Emily, Tim, and myself have a pretty pretty extensive experience with it did you guys play all remote i thought it was you brooks and emily and then tim was just the one remote it got complicated so <laughs> it got weird uh, that yeah, it tim does was remote for 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 quite a while of it um and it was just getting to the point where brooks and emily would drive over to my apartment and the three of us would play together with tim remoted in and i was like well at that point why is anyone driving anywhere So then they stayed at their apartment, I stayed at mine, and for the last big chunk of it, we were basically all remote. Um, And then Tim moved back here and we started playing live again, so it came full (laughs) circle. It came full circle. (laughs) Um, But so you guys said that you are running remote games and live games. Compare contrast for me, guys. Like, you know, you guys have a lot more experience doing the live thing than we do. Um, I'm sorry, not the live thing, the, the broadcasted whatever remote remote i'm getting remote. there I'll, I'll be good at talking towards the end of the episode did you have a stroke last night dude yeah i'm proud of you you're doing a great job it's actually because he hasn't had any liquor this morning that's, <laughs> that's why he's stumbling like he around needs, i feel like he needs a shot just to get back to normal you know oh god <laughs> here we go uh, all right, I'm going to take a it. pull off this lightning 101. Uh, there's a lot of peer pressure needed for that one. <laughs> Woof. Woof. Collapsed like a house of cards. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this stuff smells so fucking bad. It's actually not that bad once you've had a couple sips. <laughs> Is it one of y'all who drinks <sighs> Uzo? Oh, Brooks had to drink Uzo on an episode because that was what poll. Our, our Patreon has a poll where they vote on what somebody has to drink every episode and brooks got i think it was like ouzo and water oh Oh gosh Uh, the only time i've ever drank ouzo i woke up the next day with a shaved head so oh boy (laughs) yeah Uh, (laughs) real quick (laughs) that's a story i want to hear at the end of this (laughs) real quick speaking of patreon recording you guys you you can tell us that story yeah i have to show y'all where crowd founder shirt on yeah (laughs) oh my god that's incredible I got excited. Hey, so. now's the time. Absolutely love it. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoy that shirt. I, uh, I love it. That was, uh, that was a little pet project of mine, put together that. Yeah. Did a good job. Proud uh, of you. Okay, so I've had my shot of liquor. I've had my shot of liquor. I'm ready to go now. Um, okay. Playing remotely. How do you guys handle it? I mean, you guys are a recorded podcast with objectively good audio quality, but you're all doing it remotely. How does that work? Yeah, well, okay. I'm sorry. So, Adam's a genius. That's how it works. Go on. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're too kind. You're too kind. Uh, but I'll take it. No, um, we've been playing remotely from the get-go, right? So well, the thing is, is we decided to play tabletop like almost exactly a week before I had to move from Hattiesburg. 
<laughs> and it was like, okay, well, we want to do this, but we have to figure out how to do it. So, you know, we found Roll20 and we found some various ways to communicate and all that. And so our whole experience was, for the most part, playing remotely. So over those two years that we did our first like big campaign, uh, somewhere about halfway through that, I started recording those sessions just for us to have, just to listen to and like go back and I learned how to put music and stuff and everything on it. And, uh, but it was never, you know, never polished in a way that I thought it was something that we could put out. Plus I was using copyrighted music and it, so <laughs> it was really just, it was really just for us to enjoy. But during that time, I, I got to learn a lot about how to do that and how to make things sound good. And I think we all learned as we would go back and listen to it, how to play the game in a way that feels episodic. You know what I mean? Sure. That something that we'd want to go back and listen to. Um, and so then when we decided to do the podcast, it was just a matter of kind of polishing up the tech of it. And we, everybody records an individual track and they send it to me and then I edit it. So we're not really relying on, like our video conferencing for the audio. Sure. You know, um, with the first couple episodes, we were like that. Um, and you know, we all have pretty decent recording equipment, but it still wasn't exactly how I wanted it. So about episode six, I think, or seven, we switched to doing individual tracks. And to me, it made all the difference in the world. Um, and it gave me a lot more, editing capabilities oh, for so sure. i get to now i get to now pick whose jokes stay in and don't <laughs> <laughs> i believe that's there's a lot the of power. you need that with uh i definitely need that with a brooks in the team <laughs> a lot I'd of my awesome our episodes, jokes you should... are on the cutting room floor so you know just know that uh, oh yeah uh, that's not true you know, most your jokes. clocks in at about two and a half hours but you know usually I, it's only ever like an hour 15 that makes it out well that's because every yeah. poop joke then devolves into like excruciating detail <laughs> it's like okay we gotta take that out As they, move tradition. From, they move from jokes to just eyewitness recounts medical concerns <laughs> medical concerns <laughs> medical report on everybody's bowel movements uh, got the, the podcast that talks about their poop together stays together that's true um, <laughs> I mean yeah 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 for sure yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> See? See? We, we learned that at Dragon Con. Oh, my you know? God. Yes. Like, we were all in one hotel room oh that, my. that weekend. Yeah. It was it was uh, A bonding sure. experience. That's the PC term we'll so use. How, how, how many of you were there? Was it the full crew, which I, I think is six people total? Or is it? Uh, it was not the full crew. You're right. It is six total. Only four of us went. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach and John were not able to go, but the rest of us went to that. And uh, you know, we had a, we had a great time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the remote thing. I think it's just the years of experience before we started the podcast, playing and like learning how to listen for each other. Because like the whole dynamic of not interrupting somebody is changed when you're remote because you have lag to deal with, and you have like all these. You don't have quite as much visible body language to play off of. So it does take a lot of practice, I think, to go remotely. And we still have to 
stop and be like, all right, let's stop interrupting each other. Everybody take a <laughs> breath, you know, like, especially where we're, where, where we are at now uh-huh. in the podcast, things are very, very, very tense for the crew. So like everybody is just on edge. I mean, I can feel them almost leaping through the screen at me at every door they open. They're like, no. Um, so, but you know, it just takes, it's, it's a built up rapport, I think between us that really helps us do what we're trying to do. I think it's definitely a practice in patience as well, because inevitably we have technical difficulties. Uh, I think not our last session, but session before last, we had massive like lag and internet connectivity shenanigans. Uh, so, and Adam does a really good job. I think actually y'all, y'all know Bear Claire. Um, oh, he yeah. made, oh, yeah, we know Bear. <laughs> oh yeah. He made the comment on our discord, like very recently called Adam Datum. And I was like, Oh my God, he is. He's basically the dad of our group. Oh my God. So yeah, that's uh, he does a really good job kind of circling, circling us back into where we need to be and focusing up on our, our tech issues. So we make well, it work. Well, I'm, if I may say so, like it does, it does not shine through on the on the on the show. Like it sounds clean, it sounds well put together. Um, I'm actually like legitimately surprised how well it comes together for everyone being remote. Yeah, and and serious props because I hear a lot, a lot, a lot of actual play podcasts because I'm on one and I love to listen to other ones. And nobody, in my opinion, has nailed the. Um, the remote recording and gotten the sound to a level where you guys have uh, just personal opinion. Uh, and and I know like a lot of podcasts have gone through growing pains. I know you mentioned like your first six episodes or whatever, but still the audio quality was good in those. And uh, you know, it's, it's just huge kudos to you guys because I think it's, it's a different and a big achievement to do that versus doing what we do in a single room I mean, just even talking about how you guys have to be super patient. We have hand signals for everything because people don't see us. So <laughs> we can, you know, when Brooks wants to interject with his uh, short story long, he can just like, he he like points at everybody and he's like, yep. I'm coming in. <laughs> when uh, somebody yeah. needs to go take a piss. We all throw up the, the, the fist like we got to stop. Yeah. Or uh, <laughs> Brooks last episode where he just didn't do any signal. It was like, I got to go piss. Bye. <laughs> He just jumped at the deuces like, I'll see y'all when I see you. I didn't even get a deuces. He was just out of his seat faster than I could react. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, thank you. Um, It's definitely a labor of love, but I I think a lot of that just comes from, again, my musician background of just kind of understanding the importance of quality sound, you know? Um, And so I, I enjoy doing it, you know? Um, making it sound good. I've, it's the, it's so funny because we'll get done with an episode and there will have been like a lot of like, I don't know whether it be technical difficulties or off topic conversations or like frustrations and stuff like that. And everybody's like, God, this, this episode is going to be tough to, to get through when, when it's done. And then I just love the feeling of Okay, I've finished editing it. Here you go. You guys check it out. And they're like, oh, that was that was, that was a pretty good episode. <laughs> Doesn't it all sound like the garbage yeah. I thought we were producing? This is great. Yeah. <laughs> no, That's yeah, amazing. no. Adam handled well, all of our editing and he is really, really good at it. So we're really uh, fortunate to have him in our corner for that for sure. Mad props, dude. Mad props. Thank you. Thank you. Well, 
another thing you do well, Adam, is constructing a really good story using the against the Aeon Throne campaign. And you mentioned just a moment ago how tense the recent episodes have been. They are very tense. I don't want to spoil anything for anybody who's going to start listening, but this podcast gets very, very intense, especially where where you guys are releasing, I think, episode 31 today. Yes. So tell me a little bit about the Against the Aeon Throne uh, story in general. What What is this? You're fighting the Islanti Star Empire. Who are they? When does this take place? What does it center around? Just Just give me a little bit of 411 on it. Yeah, um, so against the Aeon Throne, when I was looking at all the different, well, the, the, the three APs, I guess, that there were to choose from at the time, um, you know, I didn't want to do Dead Sons because everybody has done Dead Sons, and I looked at Dawn of Flame a little bit, but against the Aeon Throne just spoke to me because it has this real um, identifiable conflict, right? You are playing against the Empire, basically. The Star Wars Empire or Space Nazis or whatever you want to call them. It's a very easy to identify villain. Okay? And, you know, as I said, we were doing Southern tomfoolery, so I wanted to bring some of that aspect into it. And this kind of has a Space Western vibe to it that I thought we could really lean into using kind of our Southern culture to do so we're all firefly fans and i mean i'm pretty sure every npc in the colony was voiced with a with a very thick southern accent um <laughs> hey you guys are good so at it was that. Good, <laughs> yeah well it comes naturally um, <laughs> but yeah so the idea is that generally it's this ragtag crew i liked that you weren't starfinders that was one thing that i really liked it you didn't have to be part of the starfinder society which allowed us to have kind of a lot more gray characters you know i'd say our character our, our party alignment is very neutral based. You know, there's a, I mean, there's, they do good things and they have good hearts, but they're all pretty pragmatic and they're all got secrets or whatever. And, uh, what I really liked about against the Aeon throne. And I mean, this is like a minor spoiler, but it ends up not being you against the empire, you know, like it's, 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 becomes a much smaller story, you know, somewhere about halfway through. And once you realize that that's, it's also at the same time that the walls of pressure start closing in on the party. So I thought it would make for really good radio. The first book is a lot of fun. You know, it's, it's easy to understand what the story is. And then the second book kind of twisted in a way that adds this whole level of suspense that, I was really looking forward to doing so. I'm really glad that it's playing out the way it is because I was hoping for this. I was hoping to have a run of episodes where we don't know how they're going to get out of it week to week. Guess what, buddy? You got what you wanted. So, uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you guys are through the part in our pod where I wasn't really sure how they were going to get out of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a a tough... uh, couple weeks for yeah, the for hideous laughter yeah. yeah. Emily spot. and I are both well aware be, being on the receiving end of just angry GMs. <laughs> vengeful GM. Yeah. I've been vengeful since that uh, that grandma's ashtray. Oh my God. Blood. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, so uh, go, go ahead, ahead, Adam. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say it's, it's a space western with space Nazis that allows you to I think to 
exhibit all your favorite sci-fi like fantasies, at least the type of sci-fi that we like, you know? Yeah, it's 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 very cool. It definitely has the Firefly or um, pieces of Star Wars feel. Definitely I, I fire, like it. Firefly yeah. crossed with Inglorious Bastards. Ooh, I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah. And there, yeah. Yes. Go, go ahead. Nope, just agreeing. <laughs> so, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> just agreeing over here. So, Emily, you play a character in this campaign that, if I may say so myself, is one of my favorite uh PC voices I've heard on a pod uh, and you play <laughs> Madam Nariko Zivarajni or Ziva for short you want to tell us a little bit about her first off Griffin mad props for the pronunciation and it's beautiful some I of our players the Russian accent, the thing, but yeah. some of our players don't even say it right and it breaks my heart um, but uh <laughs> Nariko Zivarajni is the madam of the Pools of Paradise. Uh, it's a lovely place that you can go and visit on Absalom Station. And she is a proprietor of this um, pleasure house, if you will. And she is also the captain of the Epoch Tracer. And if you want to learn more, you'll have to listen to the podcast. But she's really <laughs> yeah, cool. You like that? Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like that yeah. a lot. <laughs> in particular, talking about Firefly, I drew a lot of inspiration from... Um, uh, oh, my gosh. I just had a complete brain fart. Sorry. It's Inara, yeah. right? Inara. Thank you. We're <laughs> playing Curse, and all I could think was Irina. I'm like, nope, nope. That's not it. Um yeah, drew a lot of inspiration from her. And kind of as Adam said, you didn't have to start out in this this IP being a Starfinder, which I think is really cool because a lot of our characters are kind of from very far-fetched backgrounds. And having them come together under essentially um, the owner of a... Uh, a brothel of sorts <laughs> is a uh, it's a really it creates a lot of fun opportunities for interesting commentary so uh but now i love her over all of my play my characters that i've played across all the different um platforms gaming platforms she's my favorite i love her adam please don't kill her i don't want to die please don't kill her. <laughs> <laughs> all right, i just roll the dice Emily. okay it's fair you know. okay i'll just hear so i don't get fired but yeah i uh she's pretty fun and thank you so much that makes me so happy that you said that you like her (laughs) yeah i think um i think her voice is what got Haley hooked to the podcast she's very picky but um what was it she said i forget what she said she said um uh, what's her Katya. name in Archer? Katya, Katya in Archer. She said the voice reminds her so much of that, and I yes. totally agree. Uh, oh, it's it's very Archer, close to that darling. voice, which is oh, really Archer. really cool. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. So that, Archer's that's like one of my favorite me. shows. Oh, so good phrasing. Is I phrasing wish I could still do a H. John thing? Benjamin's voice. Wait, what? I said I wish I could do H. John Benjamin's voice. Oh, <laughs> I know. Don't but then we I wouldn't all. be podcasting. I'd be doing something else. <laughs> Well, folks, I, th- I, I think it's about time to move on here. We got a lot we need to cover today, and we're pretty deep into the record. Oh, we're... Got we, a lot we need to cover here. For, are we short on time, Steve? We're, we're, <laughs> we're running close on time. Okay. Oh, wait. I need, I need to drink. Hold on. Yeah, take a drink. Yeah, everybody drink. I'll get a dinger in here. 
I might as well do one too. <laughs> I switched from coffee to water because I'm a badass. <laughs> Drink twice. <laughs> All right. Well, cue up the intro music for this segment because we're about to get into a little My Favorite Monster. And we want to do something a little fun today. We wanted to do a creature that is in Pathfinder. It is comes from actual folklore here in the regular world, but also exists in the Starfinder universe. Because we got our Starfinder extraordinaires on the line here. So what do you guys want to start with first? Do you want to start um, Pathfinder, Starfinder, or real world? Let's, uh, let's intro that monster and then give some real world mythology behind it. All right. Sounds good. So the monster we're doing today actually has a whole bunch of variants in, in both the Pathfinder and the Starfinder system. Guys, don't feed us after midnight because we're doing gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Right. Just call bright, me Gizmo. Bright light. <laughs> bright light. Oh, that. Uh, there's something on the wing of the plane, right? That's another gremlin bit. Yes, there you yeah, go. That's another yes. gremlin. Yeah, yeah. That was um, that was a Twilight Zone thing, I yeah. think, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, And then I, the Simpsons lampooned it as well. True that. Yep. With the gremlin on the side of the bus. <laughs> Gremlins have actually been in a surprising amount of uh, TV. They have. And, and that, that was... The most surprising thing that I found um, when we were when we were doing a little bit of research for this segment was that if, from like a big macro perspective, they haven't been around in popular mythology for a, for for a while. I mean, basically, this is a creature that sounds very much like it would be straight out of the Dark Ages, but actually started or like became popular in World War II. And I think that's because they have such a technology focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so gremlins were basically conceived by the Royal Air Force in, in World <laughs> War II because things would things would go haywire with planes at that time. And when basically your engine failed or all of that, anything that can go wrong with a plane in the 1940s happened – a lot of times they blamed it on gremlins because gremlins were this fictitious force that um, really didn't care about the like either side of the war at the time. They just cared about fucking with your shit and fucking up your technology and you know making a screw loose at the inopportune time. So this mythos started to build between um, fighter pilots, and it's it's pretty interesting that uh you know stories go back in in journals of these folks about these gremlins and in reality it's just a nature of doing business when you're when you're flying a plane uh 70 years ago (laughs) (laughs) gremlins are chaos theory yeah yeah exactly yeah pretty much yeah and i there's a an interesting tidbit i was reading how um you know, a lot of historians believe that the myth of the gremlin was actually very beneficial to British fighter pilots because it was easier on their morale when something broke to bra- to blame it on a gremlin than like the person fixing your plane. Yeah. Like, so it, basically, this myth stopped fighter pilots from like clashing with the people that were keeping their planes together and. Um, some people are are led to believe that the myth of the gremlin helped uh, the the British survive the Battle of Britain. 
because <laughs> the morale we'll was to, up. We'll have, to, we'll have to let Josh know about this so he can use that for any uh, anything that he gets wrong at work. He's an airplane mechanic, so he can just. Oh yeah, nice. yeah. So well, he can just me, go. Man. Yeah, it was the Gremlins, man. Fucking I don't gremlins know what to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> that's fascinating. I, I did not know that that's where they came from. Yeah, because it, it again, it just feels like this older thing. It just feels like gremlins would have been around for hundreds of years or something, and that's just not the case. Yeah, they they fit into that kind of like goblin niche, right? You know, it, it they feel like something that should be a lot older than they are. They fall into that yeah, mythos of like fey creatures or whatever. But and it's interesting because in a lot of um, the mythology and whatnot, Fay can't really interact with what, cold iron or whatever, and that kind of bleeds over yep. into. Yep. But gremlins, that's kind of their their jam, right? They're like all up in metals and techs and whatnot, so it makes sense that it would come in a little bit later on in history. Yeah, I mean, without tech, I feel like a gremlin would just be a goblin. <laughs> Let's be real. Yeah, yeah that's fair. right, right. I think that's why we think gremlins are older than they are, though. Probably because the movie, you know, the 80s movie, the way that they were designed looked very goblin-like. Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. For sure. Speaking of which, too, who, who here's all seen gremlins? Oh, gremlins is one of my favorite movies, dude. Yes, I know I have. I'm waiting on bated breath for Emily's answer. I have seen Gremlins. Oh my gosh. All right, there we go. I am stunned. For those of you who don't know, know. you're not aware of Emily. I haven't seen Gremlins. There's always one. (laughs) Wait, Steve, you haven't seen Gremlins? I have not. Oh my gosh. That surprises me. It's such a classic, dude. I'm just just a basic-ass mogwai over here. (laughs) <laughs> Were you just nervous when I suggested we do Gremlins for this My Favorite Monster and you hadn't seen Gremlins, basically the textbook you need to read to talk about this? Yeah, I was nervous, but not nervous enough to actually watch the movie. Motivate yourself to watch it. <laughs> so Gremlins in the in the movie, Steve, FYI, are called Mogwai. And there is a Mogwai. The iconic one is Gizmo. Mm-hmm. He's the fuzzy guy, like the little. I'm sure you've seen a picture of him. Oh yeah, he's for the sure. fuzzy, yeah, the, cute, uh, the cute one. Yeah, the cute mm-hmm. one, the brown and white one, Furby looking dude. And they yes. they like sing. He sings. He can. He's got like perfect pitch. I don't. I don't know if that's a normal gremlin trait. I'm just gonna run with it though. Like he does it like. That's pretty good. And that's the best uh, yeah, you, you know if you've seen the movie. And um, so the issue in Spielberg's Gremlins is, and I don't think it translates to the lore of Gremlins as we know them from World War II, but it's that if they, um, you can't feed them after midnight, you can't get them wet, and uh, they're like, they hate bright light. And what happens when you get them wet is they actually like, Reproduce. Mm. So, <laughs> the get them wet. Whatever. Yep. Get them all wet. That's there. how that works, Griff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, then you find out that when you feed them after midnight, they go into this like chrysalis and become the evil gremlins or the ones that look more like goblins, and they're kind of fucked. I mean, they. What happens if you get they, one like, of them? They have wet? a little bit of like. Um, intelligence you know and they each have their own personality but they're they're complete just chaos like 
embodied in a little goblin. I mean, they're very goblinoid, you know, and and they just destroy everything that they see. Yeah, much more in the, you know, typical gremlin-esque fashion. This mischief-managed kind of situation. Um, And they also murder people. (laughs) I mean, isn't that just the ultimate form of mischief? (laughs) I feel like, am I misremembering this, or were the... Were the gremlins kind of like the Smurfs? Where, like, there was one female gremlin, like, Smurfette, and, like, all of the other gremlins were males? I feel like I feel like I'm remembering it that way. There was like the one gremlins too. too. I think that's gremlins too. Okay, I don't think there were. I don't think there was any females in the original gremlins. Because there's one that like wears the make. So it might be two. There's one that like wears the makeup and like the dress or whatever, and has the wig on. It could just be a Bugs Bunny kind of situation. That's also true. I mean, I think it. I think it kind of was, but I mean, I think the gremlins. Are probably fairly gender, gender neutral since they procreate from water being dripped on their back. Yeah, sure, so. sure. Don't don't take them to the pool, Steve. Oh, there's <laughs> yeah, a whole scene about that. that. Yeah, I shouldn't have any trouble with them then because insert your getting gremlins wet joke here. Um, I really only know gremlins from Heroes of Might and Magic Three, where they were a level one creature in the tower, and if you upgrade them, they become the only level one creature that uh, has ranged abilities. So that's fun. Um, moving on. That's um, cool. Let's talk either Pathfinder or Starfinder. All right. Do we want to start uh, start at the beginning of time and yeah. work to post-gap? Ooh, I think that would be fun. All right. Yeah. All right. I, I took some notes from Pathfinder uh, Goblins, uh, so I could start or somebody else can. Doesn't matter. I don't mind. Yeah, hop in, buddy. Sure. Hop so in, in Pathfinder, there are a ton of different types of gremlins, um, and probably no need to run through all of them here um so i will (laughs) so i will Um, no 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 but i just took a few notes here things that i thought were really interesting so they are creatures from the the first world which is the world inhabited by the fae um in pathfinder mythos and they made their way to the current world the on, on the material plane here in pathfinder world um and they retain a little bit of magic. Now, these are low-level creatures ranging, from what I saw, generally, you know, one or two CR, maybe even half a CR for some uh, variants. But they all have a little magic that they took from the Fey world. Some of them didn't get magic, and they're called mites instead of gremlins, and gremlins beat the shit out of mites, which is a weird weird, uh, <laughs> weird class commentary from, yeah. uh, for so gremlins. Sad. Well, if you think about the magic user versus non-discrepancy in Pathfinder... I feel like mm-hmm. so you, wouldn't, it, you wouldn't have wizards beaten down on the barbarian, but that's just me. So, like, gremlins are basically acting out their own version of Harry Potter? Yes. You got the muggles. Fair. Yeah, yeah the mites the are muggle muggles. muggle mites. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, another thing, I, again, we're not going to go through all the variants, but I just thought it was very appropriate to call one out specifically. Uh, the one I want to call out, shout out, Grimple. Grimple Gremlin, <laughs> yes, because um, they look like possums, and oh, there you go. <laughs> and our Southern Tomfoolery friends love the possum. Yes, yes, uh, we've we've adopted possum as our kind of unofficial mascot, and um, 
Yeah, I was I was hoping you'd mention the Grimple because it is a, it's a possum gremlin. I love I, I love it. And they're fun, infested with lice. And they're infested fun, with fun lice. Factoid, actual possums are amazing. Please don't hurt them. They're beautiful and they have adorable toes and they eat a lot of ticks. So you're welcome. There we go. That's my plug. Oh yeah, I mm. forgot that about possums. Do Grimple gremlins eat ticks too? Does it say? I don't think so. I bet they could but again, they they've been to. driven mad from being infested with lice. <laughs> they've been driven mad by lice. <laughs> That'll do it. I think they'd be very effective against a swarm. Maybe. Mm. You would think so. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Curious. Griff, what, what do you uh, got cue, on Pathfinder? Cue, cue, uh, Emily, cue Emily trying to sell me on having a Grimple as a pet in the next game we play. <laughs> we play, yeah. Good luck. <laughs> I can do it. <laughs> I think uh, Gremlins in Pathfinder... It's very interesting because as we as we talked about what gremlins came from, Pathfinder is not a technological society or, you know, unless you're in Numeria, there's there's not technology. So it, it they definitely took a different flavor with mm-hmm. gremlins, which I I don't dislike, but it just for me it takes some of the magic out of what a gremlin is because I always associate them with dismantling um, dismantling technological constructs like you see in the movie if you had watched it where they <laughs> fuck with the bulldozer. Just like Brooks. Just like Brooks. <laughs> Story for another time. Is but, Brooks a gremlin? Uh, he, yeah, Wait, maybe. I think, I think he is. Gasp. Does that explain the mustache? Yeah. Oh, oh God. <laughs> but yeah, from a, from a usage perspective, I think I think, again, there a lot of them are just a fun different low CR encounter to throw at people. You do get sick of stuff like goblins at the beginning of Adventure Pass and that kind of thing. I think a gremlin is a great replacement uh, and you can kind of use their lore in Pathfinder to shape why there might be a small community of gremlins or something to that effect where you would be fighting gremlins instead of kobolds or goblins or whatever. And they have that that bit of magic which makes them a little bit more versatile than a goblin. I mean, you could stat a goblin up, I suppose, but for my money, a gremlin would be a little bit more fun. I think you can add it to stuff that is flavored appropriately for them. Agreed. For sure. I mean, so many so many adventures start with, well, there's goblins attacking the town, so, you know, it's good. it is a good variant. You wonder how many uh, times Paizo had to reprint the Goblin War song. um i do think they have a lot more use in starfinder Uh because of all the technology right i agree you want to uh you want to do give us a little rundown on what they're like in starfinder well uh yeah i'm gonna use steve's notes here don't credit him he's just a He's just the guy that puts the show together (laughs) you don't need to credit him Uh, (laughs) thank you adam um we have you're welcome steve um we haven't met up with these guys yet but you know whenever steve mentioned to me he wanted to do gremlins i was like yes you were giving me such wonderful ideas to spice spice up starship combat so we'll see if these things show up but there's five types um in starfinder five variations uh and they and they do all um, dive into that lore of messing up technology and destroying, glitching things out. And, uh, the, you know, again, I don't, we don't necessarily have to go through all of them, but one that I, I liked just the flavor of 
because it, it it reminds me the most of the Twilight Zone one is the Hobkin. Yes, I was hoping you said so that. And so what one. that one does is scares others into causing damage. And so one of the things I liked about that particular episode of Twilight Zone is that whether or not that goblin or that gremlin was out there on the wing, that man freaked out so much he caused drama and and um, distraction on the plane, so, you know. And so, and it's a, just a CR, you know, not even a full CR one. It's a half CR creature, but just the idea of this little thing that's harmless but has enough power to scare somebody else into doing damage. That's that's the kind of terror that I like, you know. Oh yeah. And, and Adam, there's, there's a fun story that comes out of Starfinder lore about this type of gremlin. And in addition, they're like souped up version of it. So there's the Hopkins goblin, but also they have a, a higher CR variant called the Hopkins male factor. This one's a little bit more intelligent and ends up guiding the Hopkins uh, gremlins. And so there's a story I was reading about um, this starship called the Hummingbird Basically, like a bunch of Hobkins gremlins led by a malefactor got in and into this ship. And over the course of like a few days or something, they kept causing things to look like they were going wrong in the in the computer systems and the mechanics of the ship. And so the people on the ship started trying to fix those problems, but were actually being misled and they were damaging their own ship and they got it into a critical um, into a critical condition and they it was aimed directly at an asteroid or something and the last thing they saw before they crashed into it was all of the goblins hopping into the escape pods and jettisoning jettisoning out as these people oh destroyed their own ship and killed themselves That's i think amazing. there's there's something that i had read where it was like the not pathfinder or starfinder related but like the most effective gremlins are those that can cause a mechanic to basically remove the entire engine because the gremlin had removed a screw mm-hmm. it's like the yeah. the least amount of effort causing the most amount of damage and time wasted is uh how these gremlins trick you yeah they actually their their name even is um is to vex in old english I think it's like... You mean the etymology of the word gremlin? Yeah, it's uh, Grimayan, I believe is how it's pronounced, and it just means to vex in Old English. Huh. Very appropriate. I like that, you know, the the, the technical uh, gremlins are one thing, you know, oh, they're, they're literally fucking up the computer with, you know, gremlin magic. But the, again, the Hobkins, like, causing that psychological damage... Uh, to not only like making it look like something's messed up, but creating that super animosity between like the crew and everything. That's a whole nother level of fucking folks up. So yeah, it's a uh, pretty, pretty that's interesting. Like that. That's like that sphere level, you know, yeah. you guys ever see that movie sphere or read that book? No, so that that level that. of like, so that, that one is about this like group of scientists that gets sent down to, investigate what they think is an alien ship they found at the bottom of the ocean. And they're on this like really kind of tight claustrophobic submarine. And what there's some, some presence on the ship that starts messing with their minds and they start seeing things that they're scared of. And it creates discord and um, like all this, you know, um, is this a Michael Crichton book? 
It is, yeah, it is. I thought so, yeah. And then they turned it, and then they turned it into a movie. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it just reminds me of that, you know, of our event horizon where people just start losing their minds and they start causing the the violence and the damage I've seen that just movie. because they're they've lost their minds. <laughs> wow, you were really impressing me. See, see, Emily hasn't seen like so many like important movies but she's seen some good ones you're impressing me today we're making my husband and i are making a list and so far we're at 138 movies that are like really obvious classics that i just haven't seen so i'm working on bettering myself (laughs) (laughs) you and Haley have a similar problem she's that way she hasn't seen almost anything but holler at me about some anime i got you Oh, there we go. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. All right. There is one more variant of Starfinder Gremlin that I absolutely wanted to bring up today because I think it's super cool. I want to talk a little bit about a, gra- a gremlin called the Ship Glitch Gremlin. Oh, yeah. Because this is a creature that's, again, CR1. It's a nothing creature, but has the potential to absolutely turn a starship encounter on its head. So this is a this is a type of gremlin that stows away on a ship. And basically, they've written rules, or the Paizo folks have written rules for when this when the ship gets into combat, the gremlin starts causing havoc and starts trashing um, the systems on the ship. And so what you would need to do is take somebody off of one of the ship's systems. So you, maybe your science officer or your captain or something needs to run to the run to wherever the gremlin is and fight them. Now, when they fight the gremlin, though, the gremlin has this aura of destruction where if so your captain runs away, starts taking pot shots at this guy. And if he misses, he ends up damaging his own ship. Oh shit! <laughs> oh my gosh, dude, that's, that's just me. That's just me. So it, oh, oh, it, expect expect something no. along these lines, Emily. No. Especially when we get into signal screams. <laughs> oh, perfect! <laughs> I oh, love yeah. that too because it's just ship combat is ship combat, and I don't know if you guys know this about us, but Steve and I have we played through all six books of Dead Sun, so we're big fans of Starfinder as well. And ship combat, for me, was always a little bit stale because a lot of times you're in one role the entire time just trying to do one of, like, five options. I feel like this is such a great opportunity to throw throw a wrench into that system and just make Early. a combat way more interesting absolutely and you know how i love to do that like i love i love adding like environmental factors or that kind of thing to what otherwise would be a mundane combat i think the ground the ship glitch gremlin in particular is perfect for that for for starship combat i love that they added that kind of flavor to it yeah yeah Yeah, I, I, yeah i think we all tend to agree about the ship combat like it is fun but at the same time it it can it can very quickly end up being an hour and a half of not a lot happening, yeah. you know, hundred percent. And so, <laughs> so, so, I mean, we've found a couple ways to get around that. We have five players. So that typically means one of the, the science officer after he's done what he's going to do 
you know, as he's got the scan or whatever, he can drop off and go to the gunner. So we're getting more firepower, which means that they go quicker. Like we're doing more damage quicker. So that, that helps. And, you know, we try to role play it as best as you can, like, you know, star, star Trek bridge style. Right. Right. But you know, it is what it is, I guess it's it's part of the game and I wouldn't take it out, but it's certainly not the best part of the game. I, I think my uh, my dead son's character did four, did every role but the captain, I think, at some point. He was the engineer <laughs> mm-hmm. for a while. He was a science officer for a while because he was a technomancer. He had a great piloting, but we just had a good pilot for most of the game. That character died. He became the main pilot. Every time he was done a science officer thing, he had really high decks and really high piloting, so he could slip up into the gunner's chair next to Steve's character, Bosk. So I was like every position at some point in Starship Combat, which gave me, I guess, a more well-rounded perspective of it than than maybe you, who was basically the gunner the entire time. I was the gunner the entire campaign until the very (laughs) last session where I had an opportunity to hop into a pilot's chair. And that was it. And that almost got you killed. It almost got me killed. But... I did have fun though. Like my character was big and dumb, and I like pulling triggers on things, so it worked out just fine. Ziva but I did is... not flex all the mental muscles that I could have. Yeah, Ziva is the captain, and we played a um, society game at um, DragonCon. So I had my first opportunity to play in a different role uh, during that. And I was just doing gunner, and I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Help me, please, somebody. <laughs> like, how do I shoot? Like, <laughs> it was real bad. <laughs> what are arcs? <laughs> that was old. Uh, that was old. Chandra Attaway. Yeah, huh? it was Chandra Attaway. He was uh, <laughs> he was a Yasoki, and uh, he was just there to make sure everybody got where they needed to be. <laughs> All right. I don't think there's a better Yasoki name than Chander. <laughs> Chander Attaway. <laughs> yeah. Now that translate in Southern to over there. Over there. Oh yeah. 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 That's it's, it's, it's where it's is actually it called? Chander that Attaway? that over there. Chander like yonder that and then Attaway is over there. So yeah, Attaway. Yep. Yeah. It's a it's huh. a deep yeah. it's a deep uh, translation. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're learning new shit today. I know. This was very beneficial for us. I was going to say, they're giving us more uh, Southern hospitality than we're able to give them on our show. (laughs) You can't can't out Southern hospitality, Southern. Come on, I wasn't even going to try. That's true. (laughs) Y'all have been very gracious, though. Thank you. I think we got some listener questions, dude. Griff, we do. You read my mind because we're coming up on time. Oh, geez. (laughs) Uh, Drink. Drink. Uh, I actually don't want to drink this. I've kind of stumbled into that myself. My coffee's real cold. The issue here is that Steve has all the power to stop himself from drinking this. He just doesn't have to say we're up against time. I play play by the rules of the game. So our first listener question comes from none other than our good boy, Kaido. Um, Nathaniel, you know him. You love him. He ruins his own keyboards all the time. It's a long story. (laughs) It's Um, true. So you guys talked about why you love TTRPGs overall, but I kind of want to hear more about the mechanics of Pathfinder and what you like about the system itself compared to a system like 5e. Now, I've actually been sitting on this question for a while because I haven't really had the right group to drop this for. And of course, he's name dropping Pathfinder, but I also think this is relatively appropriate for Starfinder. For sure. And now we're sitting down 
at a virtual table here with uh, with Adam and Emily, who have a lot of 5e experience, but have just recently made the transition to the Starfinder system. And I want to hear your guys' perspective on it. Well, 5e, I think I might have said it kind of earlier in the show, but what 5e does is presents an opportunity for anybody to get into the game. Sure. You know, and that comes with its own pluses and minuses. You know what I mean? Like it being more accessible, you sometimes kind of get that notion of like something that was special, that was like kind of your little thing. Now everybody's doing it right. That kind of mass production type thing can take away the magic sometimes. And I I certainly concede that, but I think the more positive aspect of 5e is that his opened it up to so many people that would want to play and are really good at it and enjoy it and can expose them to lots of different things. Um, And for instance, my wife plays 5e and I never thought she would ever play a tabletop role playing game, but she's, she's liking it and it's simple enough, but complex enough for her to dig her teeth into her character and enjoy it. But I don't think she would like something like Pathfinder or Starfinder just because it's much more, work on your end to you have to learn that system sure whereas 5e you can jump in and play uh so i think 5e has done amazing work in that department and it's also we got to give 5e credit for creating the space to do real play podcasts i mean you know you look at critical role who kind of like opened the door to this type of entertainment for everybody to, to to do and now there's real plays for all sorts of different systems you know um even the 5e market is definitely flooded there's thousands of 5e (laughs) podcasts but i think that the way it's designed and making it so story focused made it easy for some people to jump in and, and try try out the podcasting of it so i really appreciate 5e for what it's done just for the hobby as a whole in in general um but as i said we've been playing it for a while and I think after a long time, if you're really into playing RPGs and you've got your your mind wrapped around it, you end up wanting a little bit more for your characters than 5e has to offer. 5e has very balanced and really thought out classes, but those are the classes and that's it. You know, they, there's some variance between the subclasses, sure, but you don't get to make a lot of choices once you've created your character. Then it's just, here's what you get at this level. Here's what you get at this level. Here's what you get at this level. Instead of letting you have impact on your character's growth throughout the whole leveling process, it's kind of restricted that in a way to where you can't break your character. There's not, you can't have a, a bad character in 5e like you could in Pathfinder. Oh, you can um, have them. Oh, you can. His right. name's Matumbe. Hey. <laughs> like that's well that's what I'm saying. Pathfinder gives puts the power back in your hands as the player to to make the choices and you can make some bad choices as you're leveling up, you know, and you can end up really screwing yourself, which I think does turn some people off, but for us we were looking for something a little bit more complex and as I said Starfinder being specifically in a sci-fi universe was was really good and so then i'll hand it over to emily what do you think that that switch has been for you as a player um as a player overall it's it's pretty much exactly what you said and even from a gm or dm uh standpoint 
my husband plays in my curse game with a few of our other friends who have never played, you know, uh, TTRPGs before. So it was a really good game system for them to come in. However, I am trying to get them interested in uh, Pathfinder 2nd Edition because I think it has the similar ease of learning as 5e offers but still is going to give a lot more opportunity because let's face it y'all face it y'all paizo goes fast man they've already got so much stuff out for starfinder oh yeah they're just a a powerhouse of content um so I, i i want them to be able to just like adam said get more out of the characters that they build and honestly have more consequences from the characters that they build like you say in 5e, you pretty much, when you choose it, there's your track. You do it. With uh, Pathfinder and Starfinder, if you pick something shitty, like, okay, well, good. You're stuck with it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's see how that's going to work for you. Um, but very much, pretty much exactly what he took all the good stuff Adam said. <laughs> uh, but no, I do, I love Starfinder because it is, and I know it sounds silly because this is a fantasy game, uh, fantasy, sci-fi, whatever. Uh, but I like that the rules and the mechanics of it make it feel much more grounded and uh, much more uh, uh, heavy. You know, like if you, yeah. if you mess up, if you don't calculate this into what your turn your character can die very easily. Um, so I really appreciate that. It makes it feel a lot more, uh, it gives me a lot more in investment in my characters for sure. The stakes are higher. The stakes are absolutely higher. Stakes are certainly high. Oh, as yeah. both and our sharp. podcasts have seen in the past couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want me to, uh, riff on this a little bit? I have no, um, 5e experience. So my first GM GM us in, Pathfinder. It was, you know, a first edition. We ran um, modules and stuff before we ramped up to a full AP. And I think I'm happy that that's where my gaming experience took me. To to your guys' points before, I think a lot of the magic for me is in the player character options in just the sheer amount of options that Paizo has given us in the past 10 years for first edition. And honestly, there's a huge amount of options just in the second edition core rulebook. That's why it's like 650 pages. <laughs> so I think, I think that's what it's the size of Matumbe's book. Yeah, much. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what, that's what keeps me coming back to Pathfinder. You can, you can build two fighters and have them feel so completely different. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you lose a lot of that with a more streamlined system like 5e. Yes, there are a lot of mechanical things to learn. Trust me, we get the rules wrong all the time. We've been playing it for four years, right? But I just think a system where you have that much flexibility to do what you want to do. And I mean, you see it all the time in the Paizo forums and on Reddit, on Pathfinder RPG, people are building characters based off of like a superhero or, or a character from a show or that kind of thing. And they mechanically feel like they're working the way that character does. And it's, it's crazy that there's so many options that you can do something like that, or you can, you can make almost any idea work. The, the part about the, the crunch 
for me, I feel like it takes a lot of my DM bias out of the equation. Yes. I feel like when there's a mechanical rule for almost everything that could happen, which Paizo has made basically a rule for everything that can happen. And when that exists, it's not me just saying, all right, Haley, that's a DC 18. All right, Steve, that's a DC 13. It's okay. Here's how you build that DC. It's in the, it's in the splat matter or, you know, this is how you run. This is how you, you know, it, it all exists and it makes it makes it feel like I'm being as fair as I possibly can be, which yeah, is I, nice. I, I, I 100% agree with that as the GM, too, because 5e does put so much of the onus on the GM. Like, yeah. like I, I can't tell you how many times in that book it says, well, the GM will just decide, you know, which for some people, that's awesome, right? That gives you the freedom to tell whatever story you want to tell, and that's why they're playing the game. You know, they're not necessarily playing... Those types of games, the main characters aren't going to die because they have plot armor and it does not about that, you know, and we did that game and it was fun and it was very special to us. You know, we, we, our first 5e campaign we did, none of the characters died unless we had talked about it before. Like I had talked one-on-one with the person before, like, Hey, I think this will be a really good narrative moment. Let's, let's have your character die, you know, but it was all scripted. Whereas, you know, as you said in Pathfinder, you, it's it takes some of that off of the GM. Now, what it replaces is a whole another three hundred pages worth of rules you have to be familiar with. <laughs> yep. But you know, but yeah, you don't. There's not going to be man. This dude's really irritating me tonight, so he's going to get splattered on the wall because just because I said so. You know what I mean? Like right. there's there are rules there to to prevent that because there, as you said, there's rules for everything. There's rules for eating properly. You know, like, Are you being healthy? <laughs> right. And what's cool though is about the crunch. I know that's what turns a lot of people off, but you can choose to use as much or little of that as you want to, you know, like you don't have to keep up with encumbrance and ammo and food and all that. If you don't want to, some people enjoy that type of game it is it's, makes it feel more realistic and you know all that inventory management is part of the gaming for for some people and i totally respect that but you can still play whatever type of game you want to in pathfinder as with any rpg the rules are there for you to use your game your table is your game essentially right just as long as everybody at the table is in agreement of this is what we're going to do this is how we're going to play the game then go with it yeah and i honestly all said and done I don't think there's anything that I could really add here that you guys haven't covered already. Maybe in an alternate history, I was playing 5e for longer or at all before I started playing Pathfinder. And I feel like that would be like a good way, a good segue into it. Just like, um, just like Emily, you were mentioning that you're, you're working on getting your husband out of 5e and into Pathfinder second edition. I think there's a little bit of a natural progression there. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, once, once you, start enjoying role playing and get the basics um you can move into something a little bit more complex like pathfinder um so uh, that would maybe that would have been nice to get my foot in the door with that but i didn't need it i'm great at this oh uh, yeah you're so good at this <laughs> yeah have you been tracking your coin weight uh in fact i haven't because you specifically told me i don't I specifically have to. told you don't fucking track that <laughs> don't track that <laughs> all right our next question here comes from an earlier mentioned 
personality around our podcasts. Um, this is Bear Claire. He says, Ooh, what characters from either the good or evil parties do you think would best pull off being the focus of their own solo story? Essentially, if, say, they were to have their own alternate canon novel about their heroes or anti-heroes journey. Now, in addition, Bear Claire, um, about a week ago, or maybe it was two weeks ago now, had re- had found out that I think he was on our Junkie Discord early two weeks ago, where I mentioned that you guys were going to be on this show. And he DM'd me and asked that if we ask this question to you guys to extend this question as well to the Southern Tomfoolery crew. Cool. Uh, as, as specific, like your characters. Gotcha. So I've got some <laughs> answers. I, I think I'm going to go ahead and kick this one off. I'll, 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 do, uh, I'll do Southern Tomfoolery first. I would like to see a, like, a, both, both of my answers are prequels. I would like to see <laughs> um, a story focused around Ziva's pleasure house and like it it's almost like a um uh, like an anthology series of different stories of different people that come and the things that they do there or why they're there in the first place and it, you know maybe there's the Ziva's like the through line connecting it all the way through i think that would be pretty cool I, can i just super pop in real quick cuz that's literally sure. one of my answers because one of her sticks is fanfic so it'd basically uh-huh. just be Siva writing fanfic about her people. <laughs> well, I, I, I think it would be cool too. Like it, it, this idea kind of feels to me like, I don't know if you guys have ever seen John Wick, but the hotel at John yes. Wick, there's all these really interesting characters that are just in the movie for two or three minutes. Mm-hmm. And they're very rich, flushed out characters for being in there for only two or three minutes. And I think it would be cool to have like a series based around that. And I think it would translate really well to be Siva's Pools of Paradise. Love it. Love now, it. I had an answer for the Hideous Laughter podcast and changed it this morning. Um, it was another anthology Perfect. series. I, I, and then I, th- I, got, I think I got a better idea. I want to see Hannibal Rising, that, that book slash movie, but redone to be Dr. Viv in school as a you know killing folks oh god yeah that'd be good oh, that's man. that's awesome that was going to be my my choice as well Hell yeah dr and, viv yeah and the big series finale is like her escape or running away or whatever and heading up to ustalov and that's where it ends i would totally read that absolutely cool read watch yeah. Yeah. 10 out of 10 <laughs> be total horror it'd be great <laughs> yeah who's next Adam. Uh, I'll go. All right. So from Southern tomfoolery, I mean, I, I guess I have the unique benefit of knowing everybody's backstories. Yeah. No bias. <laughs> um, here. No bias. Yeah. But I think that Zeno's story mm-hmm. before he met up with Mike would be pretty interesting indeed. And I think there's a lot that could be added to there that, you know, if it, if I didn't have to keep it consistent with the story that we're doing, on Southern Tomfoolery, I think Zeno has a lot of potential to basically have his own Twilight Zone type series. And I, I would love to see that, you know. And then from Hideous Laughter, yet, yeah, uh, Dr. Viv, definitely from the Evil Crew. I'd like to, I'd like to see her backstory. But, I, you know, I'm partial to werewolves. Yes. And so, Ikmer... I want to see 
not necessarily a prequel, but like maybe like a side story where it's like him maybe a little bit more fully aware of what he's, he is and like flesh, you know, experiencing that, like maybe just like a little novella, even, you know, kind of like (laughs) a Walt Whitman style, (laughs) but uh, out on, out on the lake, just coming to grips with his nature, (laughs) written, written in his childish, like, you know, dialect. I think that would be a really kind of like funny, you know, the Zen of Pooh type book. This condition I, 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 is worse than my mom. <laughs> best, best, uh, like comeback ever. Like you're worse than he's, my mom. He's doing the, uh, he's doing like the really shitty person's like first time writing a poem, like rhyming a a b b scheme, <laughs> like the entire right, thing. right, right. My name is Ikmer, and I'm here to say. <laughs> I don't know what rhymes with Ikmer. So, <laughs> so you got to stick with Ick. Yep. Yeah. yep. <laughs> My name is Ikmer, and some people call me Ikmer. <laughs> Classic. I wish people called me Ick more. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shit. It's deep. It's Man, deep. talk about some mad flow. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> got him. Emily, what you got for us today? So, just because obviously I I know her backstory, um, Ziva kind of has a very interesting uh, life before the the she met the crew. Uh, but yeah, basically some prequel stuff for her, kind of expounding on the time that she spent on a few different planets, why she was there. And then definitely the anthology, the fan fiction anthology kind of thing of the Pools of Paradise. Like, I just think that that would be hilarious. And the John Wick situation is perfect. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, I know, like, seven stories that I could write right now. So, that, I don't know. I don't know, (laughs) man. That shit might happen. Um, But from the uh, HLP crew, I think you guys know I have a special spot in my heart for Saw. Uh, Mr. 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 Moon Owl uh, is uh, a were tiger after my own heart, and so I would really like to see again kind of some prequel stuff about where he came from, specifically that island, and some more interactions. There's one. Um, there was a scene that you and Griff did where he was like talking to essentially two other were creatures and mm-hmm. and I really liked that and I would I wanted to see him like interact with other were creatures so I think that would be really really cool just to see like the life and times of Saw Moon Isle spoiler alert Saw will interact with other were creatures yes yay I'm looking forward to it that was that was a character that when I I built him I wanted to have a a backstory where if you know we only ever recorded one in an evil interlude, you could you you know he was a well flushed out character mm-hmm. that like had traits that were recognizable and like had came from somewhere and was achieving something, mm-hmm. but still had enough. Well, what really was going on on that island? What was he really running from? Like mm-hmm. he came along just like Matumbe, he came a long way to get to Ustalav. What happened? Like what happened over those months or years? There's some there's some answers that. Or there's there's definitely some open threads that are looking for answers, um, but sometimes well, the best the best fiction is is the one you create yourself, the listener. 
I'll, I tell you, inquiring minds want to know. So. Inquiring mm. minds want to know. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll keep that under advisement. <laughs> Griffin? All right, I'm up. So I think I, I'm going to fish my wish here if uh, you guys get some more backers on, on your Patreon because I want a little bit more adventures with Weldy. Oh, <laughs> yes. Weldy is like one of those characters that you could just, oh, I could just listen to him talk for like hours and hours. <laughs> uh, I mean, the time is just like relative and like it's, I mean, you know, let's just chat and and we'll, we we will maybe go on adventures or something, you know, like I'm down. You got you want to roll? Man. I got I got some tabs, man. Oh, no. tabs. So, well, Weldy is my. Uh, I'm I'm really glad when I saw that when I saw that as one of your goals. That uh, I'm very excited for that um, because he was just one of my favorite NPCs ever. And um, but but to the actual question, which was a PC, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think you could do a lot with. Um, with Mike's sports career, I think that would be something that would be interesting to follow. Um, mainly because he never really comes off as a. Um, I mean, Mike hardly ever even comes off as someone you would expect to have, you know, have some sort of ti- like sporting title or any of that. He's pretty unassuming for somebody that has reached a high level in athletics. And um, I think it just, like, it helped build the character a little bit to see what exactly happened during that time. Because he clearly has some um, some struggles that he's dealing with and that we're flashing back to. So I'm interested in that period of his life. Um, I really want to know what Aaron's backstory is. Oh, my God, yes. Because I feel <laughs> like, uh, I feel like... You guys had that one, like, amazing scene, and I won't spoil it, but it happened pretty early on about his backstory, and I've been just curious about it since. Um, <laughs> so I think that that's one that I just want to know for the sake of, like, knowing, as opposed to seeing it as a, um, you know, as a standalone, like, spinoff. Mm-hmm. In terms of our shows... Um, I think you're starting to get little glimpses of the Lopper's past. I think um, it's really fun because as an NPC, he's not really fleshed out at all. In uh, I mean, they have the, like a, the a bit material. of a... You have about a paragraph or two about who he is or was. Um, but what I really want to see is when Eclipse inevitably turns on the party, I think it would be great to have like a, a few episodes that are her journey with the lopper to whatever is next for her. I'm not saying she's left the party at this point, but um, I would say there's a strong possibility that happens. I would listen to the shit out of that. (laughs) You should totally record that with just Haley. I would. And then, and then Brooks, Emily and myself are not allowed to listen. I think that'd be cool as hell. Or it would be, um, it would be kind of in the, in the style of, you know, and I know you guys listen to uh, Glass Cannon as well, and the style of where uh, Lork goes off by himself 
but <laughs> yeah, way more right, evil. Right. <laughs> a little. <laughs> a little I'm more evil. I'm about but, but it. A, a little more evil. <laughs> just a smidge. Just a, a hair. A scooch even. A scooch more evil. <laughs> a scooch evil. There's another one for you, scooch. scooch. <laughs> she really only yeah. is a scooch away from being totally evil. Well, she, yeah, she I mean, is. Technically, she's evil. She is evil, but you know what I'm saying. Doing very evil things. <laughs> All right, guys, we got one more question in us. This one comes from our good buddy, Twisted Enigma. Um, And uh, this was another fun one I kind of wanted to save for last. Like, I like saving the fun ones. He asks, what's the coolest concept character you've ever seen? So, I like that, Griff, earlier you brought up that basically anything's possible when you're building characters in in Pathfinder. And um, and in so much you can recreate popular characters and do wild stuff um this is not a popular character recreated um but i do want to plug i do like looking at those a while ago our good buddy tim you you guys know him you guys love him he's just a fixture around this podcast he's a satellite (laughs) yes basically he he ran a character concept past me and he always has the wackiest ideas but um he wanted to build uh, I, I don't remember the class. I don't remember the archetype or anything, but it was a character that had acidic blood and he took and he was going to take some sort of feat or ability that allowed him to, when he got cut, spray that acid blood on people. And so basically his concept was he was going to run into combats with daggers in his hands and start cutting himself and just spraying oh acid blood all over the <laughs> battlefield. <laughs> Holy I mean, hardcore, crap. damn. <laughs> yep. Yeah, hey, it's possible. One way to do it. possible in Pathfinder. That one really stuck with, by me. What, what do you, what, have you guys got an answer for this one? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, and it's one of Zach's characters, actually. Um, in our Tomb of Annihilation game, which is 5e's basic character meat grinder campaign like it's designed to kill characters you can't use any resurrection magic or anything like that so when i pitched running this adventure to the crew i was like all right i want you to make characters that are kind of like cartoony a little bit you know like let's have fun with this because i don't want you to make characters that are like have some deep rich background that are gonna die very quickly. Like, let's, let's make it more slapstick and Saturday morning cartoon, right? Yeah. And Sorry. so he, he, so he came up with a bard named Tucker McGuire, who is a country music superstar. Yes. Um, so basically he made, um, Charlene from Archer, <laughs> you know, out, outlaw country or whatever. Um, and it was like really funny. And like, you know, in the early stages, there is like this city and he was performing all around town, doing all these kind of like country rock songs and stuff. And like, we had, we had a blast with it. Uh, but he ended up surviving longer than he thought he was going to <laughs> and, uh, getting really, really attached to him. So <laughs> I think he ended up leaving the quest. Yep. He's like, I'm just going to take Tucker's ass back home and he's going to go back on tour and he's going to say, fuck this. And he brought, you know, some generic rogue or something in there or whatever to replace it. But yeah, Tucker McGuire always has a special place in my heart because I mean, he just nailed it. Like, and if you know, Zach, I mean, you know, him some from 
the podcast, but he's certainly our our grumpiest and driest. <laughs> grumpiest. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so to have him playing this just like really boisterous country music superstar was really just funny because it was out of his element. So to hear to hear him kind of lean into that, I, I thought it was great. I love it. Emily, what, what do you got for us? So I feel like a lot of my characters are sort of like, meh. Uh, but one of the coolest concepts that I, I read about it on like a random like message board form something. Uh, but it was essentially it was a Starfinder is an android that was or like they're getting reincarnated or whatever or their souls into the android uh, mm-hmm. body. But it comes into the body remembering that or knowing that this this body like was a serial killer essentially uh, and oh my. it's it's compelled to murder humans and steal their skin because it's like compelled to want to become a human so i'm like that's weird See, that signal the screams Exactly, and as I was yeah, reading, actually, I was like, you might want hmm. <laughs> "That's really good." Yeah, yeah. So I was like, "That's fucked up," but I'm about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's great, Griff. Uh, I have two, so I'll be pretty quick. Uh, my first one is my favorite character Brooks has ever created. Oh, I know what you're going to say. Which was, uh, it was just a. I just ran a module. I was running. Uh, Carnival of Tears, and Brooks came in with a fighter that was a golfer. His name was <laughs> Faraday Jenkins. Yep. And he used, wow. like, perform golfing to pull off these, like, crazy like, distraction tactics and all this shit um, during the... <laughs> during the session and it was just one of those like by the end of the session I had like all the kids at the at the carnival and stuff like Faraday Jenkins Faraday Jenkins <laughs> oh and, my gosh and he was just like he was playing it up so much and I think he actually had a club which is an item in Pathfinder that it, that had like a ball on the end of it that he could uh, it would like return and he could oh. use it as like a uh, thrown weapon and it was wow it was pretty nuts that he could make a golfer work. It was That's perfect. Hilarious. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, my other character, and I just like it because it's a really interesting build, is a character that I'm actually playing in our um, home game of Castle Scarwall, uh, which is one of the books in Curse of the Crimson Throne. And I wanted to try and make a kobold good. So the difficulty with that in Pathfinder is that kobolds have really trash stats. So I have this kobold that um, is an oracle, but he started moving into a prestige class called Dragon Disciple. And he's basically a black kobold that worships the um, Apsu, the the great gold dragon god, and has been blessed with... His name's Freckle because he's a black dragon, but he has... uh, interspersed scales that have turned gold because of his worship to the uh, to Absu, so he has oh, freckles. Cool. Um, but basically what this does, a Dragon Disciple makes him basically start turning into an actual dragon and Whoa. he can do Shape of the Dragon and he has a bite attack, claws attacks, uh, tail attack, 
Um, I gave him the powerful wings feet so he can like wallop people with his wings. He's usually sitting on a full round attack at six attacks, including his great sword. Jesus Christ. So he's, he's a little meat grinder and uh, really, really fun to play. He finally can fly now with his fucking wings before he could only glide. But uh, it's, it's really cool because a kobold is actually the only race Unless you're a human and you take the uh, ants or the adopted trait or whatever it is to get a alternate racial from a um, from a different race, but Kobold is, has a special feat that lets you be a divine caster and go into the Dragon Disciple Prestige class. Normally, it's only open to arcane casters, so uh, it's really unique. It's like the only set of circumstances where you can play this build, and it's been really fun. That's cool. That's very neat. I like that Sounds a lot. Sounds like fun. Yeah. I'd be scared to go up against him. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's great on one v ones. Yeah, <laughs> and he has he has the voice from our um, our most recent episode. Um, the uh, the rat folk. the Max character. Yeah, yep. yeah that's his voice as a kobold. <laughs> so he's like, "Hey, I'm walking over here. Come on." <laughs> I love it. Oh man, we're actually going to be great, uh, by the way. playing that character tonight, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, folks. Well, I think it's about time to wrap it on up. So one final time, um, Adam and Emily, where can people find you? What do you guys got going on? Tell us everything. Oh, man, we're on all the platforms. Uh, You can check us out on our website, uh, southerntomfoolery.com, on uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search for Southern Tom Foolery. Uh, and if you go to our website, definitely pop on the uh, connect with us or talk to us, speak with us. Um, and that'll give you the link to the Discord, which is one of my favorite places to be. I haven't been on there this week. I've been a little absent and I've been sad about it. Uh, but we love talking with listeners and kind of going over all things, everything from random shit that happens to you day to day to you know building characters to random stuff that happens in the episodes so definitely check out our discord um and also we just recently uploaded all of our episodes to youtube so give us a look there as well what else did i miss adam uh i think you got everything yes all right well and once again a i want to thank you guys so much for being on but this is a sincere endorsement from me this show, if you're listening to us and you enjoy what we do, you should be listening to Southern Tom Foolery because it is one of the best, if not the best, in my opinion, Starfinder actual plays, and I love it. So thank you. You so need much. to be listening, yeah, listeners. If you like our show, you're gonna love them. Um, and you know they're a part of our community. We're a part of their community, so we like spreading the love. Hey, you guys are amazing. If- if you if you really like what the Southern Tomfoolery folks do, throw them a couple bucks on Patreon. They just launched theirs not too long ago, and uh, you know, show them some love. Yeah, we'll get Weldy's adventures faster that way. Exactly, it's true. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Thank y'all so much for having yeah. us on Zone of Truth. Uh, I mean, we're we're big fans. Emily and I have, are all the way caught up, and we really enjoy y'all's community and being a part of yeah. it and we look we were really looking forward to doing this with y'all it's uh it's our first time that we've got to actually speak with you yeah voice that's to voice. Well, we've got so to talk to nice. i mean i do oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. That's right, that's I'm, right. Uh, <laughs> I'm cool i kid. feel like this puts us one step closer to hideous tomfoolery though, hideous tomfoolery for dude. 2020 happening 2020. Yeah. <laughs> 
2020. That's what's happening. Seriously, thank y'all so much. Y'all are amazing. Absolutely. You guys are great. We love you to death. Hey, maybe uh, maybe we should get the rest of the crew on sometime. What do you think, Rafe? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, get some of the other voices on the show. I'd love to talk Titanium Mike with Heath sometime. <laughs> oh, my God. He, he would love to talk to you about yes. it. <laughs> Spend a whole hour with him about that, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> Thanks again. You guys have been fabulous. Um, small plug. Emily, thank you for that awesome Saw Moon Isle art like several months ago. It's really cool. Oh, it's kind of random. Friend. Really like it. Thank <laughs> you guys um, for the awesome Patreon shirts. They made me very happy. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah absolutely. <laughs> All right, guys, I had fun today. We'll have to do this again. But, mm-hmm. Griffin? Well, I'm going to need everybody to finish their drinks because we'll see you in two weeks. Or, in other terms, we'll see you later. We'll see you. We'll see you. <laughs> <laughs>